The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Austin Eckler grew up in the small town of Eaton, Colorado, and knew at a young age he was destined for more. He went on to play Division II college football at Western Colorado as a running back, putting up some impressive stats on the field. He later went on to be signed as an undrafted free agent to the Los Angeles Chargers after the 2017 NFL Draft and has been continuing to make a name for himself. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Austin Eckler reflects on his journey into the NFL, his work ethic, and his upbringing in Colorado. Hey, Austin. Hey, you got me loud and clear? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on? Okay, where are you, San Diego or elsewhere? Oh, uh, no, no, no. We haven't been in San Diego for five years now. Okay. We're in, what, we're in LA. You, but you know what, though? That is so reflexive for me to say that. That is so funny. Like, something just buries deep inside of you, <laughs> right. and it doesn't matter. It's like I had a friend today talk about the Oakland Raiders, even though obviously they did what they did in right. Vegas. Yeah, that is so right. funny. So you actually, you never were in San Diego. You always were with the L.A. Chargers. I've always been an L.A. Charger. Okay. Yeah, for okay. five years. Yeah, people forget. You know, it's funny because even refs will be, you know, like the San Diego. I mean, L.A. Chargers. You know, like it's better than just everyone. You know, at this point, so it's it's been a transition. But uh, you know, we're slowly getting there. We got to win some more games, and then it'll be stuck. Now, all right. Now, now let's get into the prediction game for two seconds. Now, your boy Herbert looked good last year. Oh, Was yeah. that a fluke? Was that just like a good year or two? And then all of a sudden. Everybody can figure him out, and he's going to start having troubles. Hey, I mean, I think the time will tell, right? Like, that's an aspect of this game that uh, is is the great part of it, right? Like, you have an opportunity to prove it. You know, we don't know. You know, we don't know. We only know is what's been done. And what's been done is, like you said, Herbert had a great, you know, come out last year. And now, you know, I'm one of his teammates. But, hey, we got to go out and do it again. You know, it's coming down to going out and doing it. We did it, you know, last week. Yeah. Versus Washington, you know, he came out, was very confident, loved the way he was running the offense, throwing the ball, um, making big time throws. And that's what is expected of him and himself. Um, and he was doing it. So, yeah, looking forward to being his backfield buddy. 
You know, I love the way you say that. You didn't immediately jump in and be like, he's got it. You're like, you still have to prove it. I love that element. Absolutely, man. I love that element. All right. Now, t- why did you end up in Division Two? Why did you end up playing Division Two college football instead of being at Ohio State or at, you know, Alabama or somewhere? Hey, if I could answer that, you know, I'd be a, a scout, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, here's the thing. Come coming out of high school, uh, had a great senior year, solid junior year. Um, I think I was like 22nd in the nation, like of all high school, all divisions, like rushing, like touchdowns, had a, a, like 43 touchdowns. I was average like 10 yards of carry, um, had solid grades. Uh, it wasn't like I was big headed or anything. It wasn't like a personality issue, but I think the biggest thing that led to me being overlooked was just the size of my town and the location. You know, I'm in some two stoplight town in the middle of Colorado out in the plains. You know, there's not many prospects coming out from, from the one stoplight town out in Colorado, Eaton, Colorado. Definitely love that small town feel, but uh, as far as recruiting for, you know, college football, uh, wasn't really the hot spot. So I think that's the biggest thing that played into, you know, just Austin not getting looked at. And so it came down to, I went to a school that wanted me to play running back, even just for the smaller schools. Smaller schools were even like, hey, you know, we'll bring you in. You can, you know, find out how you fit in the team, maybe move to corner, see where you just fit in as an athlete. And I wanted to play running back because that's what I've done since I was, you know, I can remember. And uh, Western State, you know, Western State, Colorado University at the time, now Western Colorado, you know, gave it gave me a chance to play running back. And so I ended up Division Two. Wait, so wait, stay on this with me for a second, because the same is true of your boy Josh Allen, uh, Trey Lance. Like, there are all these guys nowadays that are not in, if you will, the best-known programs and are in 1AA or in Division Two or even Division Three. And we're supposed to have even more information than we used to have, right? So, like, how is this happening where a guy can rush for 43 touchdowns as a senior, have a good junior year as well? Like, did any of the top schools even talk to you? Or did they literally just, like, you know, Bueller, anyone? Like, what what, what happened? I had not one Division I school come and talk to me. Not one. I I even had a cousin who coached for the University of Nebraska at a time. Um, he let me know. He's like, Hey, like my, he asked me what my 140 yard or my hundred yard dash time. He, he wanted me, it was like 11.1. He's like, oh, I need you down to like a 10.8, you know? So it was just like maybe my measurables or whatever. It was like, the thing is what they couldn't measure, uh, was what was most important. And that was just my determination in my heart. Right. Cause I, I dedicated so much time to making myself is the best person that I could be for football. Um, and just my athletics and in general, right. I was a three sport athlete. Um, and that's something they can't measure. That might be the most important thing, you know, is someone's heart. Like how much are they willing to give to the game? They might not be the most talented, but Hey, are they going to work through it? And do they have something they can, that you can work with? Um, and I think that was what was overlooked for me. Like they don't have enough time as scouts to sit down and talk to me, know my backstory, know my motivation, know why I'm even motivated. Um, and I think that gets overlooked and that's why you see people go to these smaller schools, but then they, they, you know, they persevere and they overcome and they push through, you know, the adversity and they rise to the top because of the person that they am or they are, you know, there, there's definitely some luck that plays into it as well. Like this is a game of life, right? So there's a lot of outside factors and things that we can't control. Um, but for the most part, we can control, you know, our attitude, our mindset towards our passions. And that's what really led me to get to the point that I'm at right now. And when did you know that you thought you had a real shot at the NFL? I mean, I'm sure you always wanted it, but when did you say to yourself, 
hey, Austin's going to actually play in the league. I think, I think the most important thing even today is that I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I, I didn't even watch the NFL until like my junior year of college um, because I was so, I was so focused, even in high school, I was so focused on the opportunity at hand. What's right in front of me is the most important opportunity that I can even possess because it's right here. I have to take advantage of this. And even in college, it was the same way. Look, I'm in college. Let me try to dominate and do the best that I can in college, whether it be at academics. Like I was academic All-American. I took my, my studies very seriously. And then when it came to athletics, same thing. Because um, these were my two opportunities that I had in education and athletics. And so I put everything in my, in my will into this stuff. Um, and so it was just like, hey, take advantage of this. And then opportunities would come from that. Uh, I didn't know that at the time. That was just how I, my mind worked. That's just how I worked. That's how I was raised. I was raised to work hard and not really ask questions about it, just work hard. And so that's all I knew. And so when it got to time where it's like, hey, there's NFL scouts my senior year coming to my practices. And I was like, oh, the next opportunity might be showing itself. Right. I got to still continue to do what I've been doing, taking advantage, dominating at this division two level. Cause that's what they want to see when you're at a smaller school, right. Not as much competition. Um, and then looks like, you know, another opportunity might be present itself. And then it did. So, so, but they didn't draft you, you went undrafted. Right. So, so, so what do I need to know about the fact that they came and saw you and they still said, ah, I got a look, good look at the kid from Eaton. Yeah. You know, yeah. let somebody else have him. I'm good. So, you know, I ended up getting an agent and he kind of laid it out for me. Um, he's like, hey, look, a lot of teams like you, um, they, they want to know why you went D2. Like, why are you in Division two? Like, are, are you not smart? Right. Are you are you missing it in the books? Um, like your personality sucks. Like, what is it? Like they're looking for some something to poke at. That's like, ah, they can put their finger on it. And it never it never showed up. And so they're like, oh, it's got to be something that's measurable. It's like, is he slow? So I, I trained. I literally dropped out the last uh, semester of my senior year um, just to go train for pro day. Like I told you, like I'm all in. That's like my my work ethic. I just go all in on what I'm, you know, involved in at the time. Um, and so I went and trained for pro days. So I should make sure all my measurables were on point. I destroyed my pro day. Right. It had amazing measurables. So then it was like, okay, this guy's real. Um, like I did that, sat down and did all the, you know, the interviews and went through their psychological things that they do for like football IQ and just like personality tests, um, everything checked out. So then I was like, okay, you know, he's got a chance, like, uh, he's got a chance to, you know, get signed, not necessarily drafted. Um, and there might be some politics into that just because even if they do see me at the same level, someone else say someone wants like to LSU and I went to Western state right? They were at the same level as far as how they value us, but this guy went to a bigger school. So they might draft him seventh round and pick me up in the free agency. So that's kind of how it played out for me. You know, I didn't get a call on draft day, um, but the last, during the last round, um, which is where I thought if I did get drafted, that's where I would go. Uh, got a call from the chargers, which was my number two team that I wanted to go to saying, Hey, if he doesn't get picked up, uh, we'll take him as a free agent. And then uh, didn't end up getting picked up and then immediately became a charger. All right, now stay with me here, Austin. Stay with me. All now, right. you go to camp. You're not six feet tall. They say you're 5'10". No. How tall are you really? Come clean with me. I'm 5'8". Okay. 5'8 yeah. and 5'8 is what I was measured in at. <laughs> okay. All right. So you go into camp. You're 5'8", and you're in there with a bunch of other Greek gods, right? You've yeah. got people who are 6'1", two and a quarter, coming out of Ohio State, LSU, all these other programs, running 4'4s four fives, all these kinds of things. Is my man Austin from Eaton, Colorado, is he intimidated? That's what I need to know. Not, I wasn't intimidated um, by 
the fact that all these people came from different um, uh, places and the, they well known. I think the thing that was intimidating is, can I do it? Like to myself, it was more of an internal thing. Um, not necessarily the people there was like, do I, do I have what it takes to compete at a high level? Um, and I kind of had a little glimpse um, when I was training for pro day um, and training for, you know, a team and I did get signed. So I went back to like my group that I was involved with. Um, and then at that time, everyone was on a team or still trying to get on a team. So it was kind of like, people that were in the league were still around. I saw us around the atmosphere. Right. So it wasn't that I was intimidated by the guys, like great group of guys, like everyone trying to work hard. Everyone's trying to make a living. Um, so perfect uh, atmosphere for competition. Uh, but it was like, Hey, do I really have, and as far as measurables, as far as the weight room, I was stronger than everyone in my pro day group. Like that's, that's, that's just like what I'm known for. Like if you ask anyone, on the chargers, like my, literally my nickname is pound for pound. Like I'm like the pound for pound, like strongest guy on the team. Right. Cause I just, I find therapy and working out, right. I might be five, eight, but I'm probably going to outlift you in any type of lift uh, type of thing. And definitely if you take weight into account. Um, and so that's kind of like my, like my strength that I have, you know, I'm a shorter body, but I'm stocky, right? Like I got great, you know, balance. It's really hard to take me down at my little short, my short leverage. We call it built with leverage uh, in the NFL, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so coming in, yeah, I'm more intimidated just like, Hey, this is a new opportunity was the more intimidating thing that is unknown to me. Cause I wasn't really planning to even go to the NFL. I was planning to go to my business degree. Um, so that was the intimidating uh, factor. So, so what is the moment in training camp where you start to think maybe I'm going to make it? Was there a run? Was there something someone said? Was there a moment? Was there a moment when you start to kind of go, hold on, wait a minute, all five, eight of me may end up in the league. So yeah, for me, man, whew, my journey. I, so I come into a situation. I here's why I even wanted to go to the charge in the first place. So they had a, a new coaching staff. It leads into your, the answer to your question. They had a new coaching staff coming in. So all the politics are out the window. No one knows anybody as far as coaches to players. So everyone has to like prove themselves again. Right. Um, and there was a lot of younger backs in the backfield for the Chargers besides Melvin Gordon. So I came in, I was six string. I was, there's five people in front of me. And if you don't know anything about football, we keep three running backs. So three of us aren't making it. Right. And uh, if, if you know anything else about running or football, even more, um, we, there's no six string offense. Like, you don't, you don't go out there with the six stringers and run some plays, you know, there's first string and there's second string. Right. And then if you're anything else, you're on the scout team. So I, I got a lot of people I got to go through before I get a rep. Um, so my reps were very limited. Um, and so I, I took that very seriously. So I, every single rep, like the first huddle I got into the first play, I threw up cause I was so nervous because I cared so much. My stomach was just like not feeling good. I was just like, Oh, here we go. Like I'm finally getting an opportunity. Um, and a lot of the times I was on the scout team for like special teams, which is like punt kickoff, stuff like that. Right. Um, and that's where I started to get noticed. It's because it, when it was hundred percent go, my mindset was turned on. Like no one can block me. No one can get by me. And I was out there producing. Um, and it started to show up and it started to show up. I remember coach Lynn, you know, uh, Anthony Lynn, our head coach at the time, come in to one of our special teams meetings. Like, dang, Hey, coach Stu, uh, is our special team coach. Who's that number three. Uh, he's like, that's Austin Eckler, man. He's giving us a hell of a look out there. He's like, okay. Okay. And that was like my first like glimpse of like, you know, I might be getting somewhere. Um, but here's the thing. My reps like never changed. I never, I never moved from six string ever in the entire, entire OTAs, entire preseason, um, all the way up until cuts. I never moved from six string. So I didn't know. But the one thing that I did know is I was given literally everything I could. I, there was nothing more that I could have done 
to take advantage of the opportunity. I studied as many hours as I could. I told my family, I was like, I know you guys are all excited for me, but I need you guys to not talk to me right now because I need to do everything that I can to take advantage of this opportunity. Just like I was doing in college. Now I'm doing it at the highest level. So it's even, even more of a, of a factor for me to be focused. Um, so I told them to just chill, like let's talk after camp, um, dove in, you know, I was staying after practice. I was going up to coaches, um, just asking him advice. Hey, what do I got to do? I remember breaking down to one of my running back coaches, literally just, I was crying because I, I was crying. Cause I was like, man, I'm six string. I feel like I'm, I'm doing well, but I, I don't, I don't move up. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And he's like, it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's just that we have to get other guys reps too. And when it comes down to the totem pole, you're getting whatever's left over at the end. Um, and that's just, the, that's the way of the league right now. So just continue just to make sure you know what you're doing when I get in. So that was, that was frustrating to me. And then finally in preseason games, I started to get some opportunities and I was making some tackles on special teams. I was running the ball. Well, it wasn't that I was doing anything crazy. I was just being consistent and I was doing my job. Right. And I did that consistently enough in the four games that we had preseason games where I get like a handful of reps that at the end of the day, like I remember a reporter asking me like, you know, you played well in this last game. How do you feel like it's going to you know, play out? I was like, all my ships are in. That was, that was everything you're going to get out of Austin Eckler. That was me. And so I was like, Hey, if, if, if that's not enough, then literally I'm not built out for this. Like I'm not built out for it. And, you know, it came down to it, ended up making the team, man. Ended up making the team. And then that's where the journey started. Wow. All right, man, you got me inspired. I'm ready to go. <laughs> now tell me a little bit more now. How many running backs did they keep the year that when they kept you for the first time? Did they keep yeah. you and two others or did they keep so, more than? Th- so yeah, there was two of us or three of us on the active roster and then one on the practice squad. So I ended up making those three. So yeah, they did end up cutting half of us. Yeah. Wow. And how did you find out that you had made it? Like literally, did you get an email? Did someone come by and tell you? Do they have the list on the wall? And your name was on it. Like, how did you find out? So in the NFL, it's kind of ruthless, right? It's like, there's no easy way to fire people, cut people, you know, if, if they didn't do anything wrong. You know, these are all guys that have been grinding, been putting everything into, you know, this opportunity. Um, so cut day is always the worst, even today, even that, like, I'm established. Like, no, I'm not getting cut unless something crazy happens. And But we call these guys the Reapers, right? The Reapers come around. Um, and so we'll be working out or we'll be at the hotel. And if you get a call, it's like one day, like, hey, cuts are happening on this day. And they have to be all, everyone has to be finished with their cuts by two o'clock. Um, so if you get past two o'clock, you made it. Um, and so we're either working out and then the Reapers come in. We call them Reapers, not actually Reap, like that's not their real name. We just call them that from players, but the Reapers come in, right? And if they hear like, hey, come up, uh, bring your surface, you know, come talk to Tom. You just know, man, like you're getting cut. Um, so I never got that call and I never got tapped on the shoulder to come out of uh, practice or uh, workouts. And then at like one o'clock, one o'clock, our PR guy, uh, Arthur Hightower, gives me a call, man. He's like, hey, I just want to be the first to congratulate you. And I was like, wait a minute, it's not two o'clock yet. He's like, hey, man, if you made it this far, you're not getting cut. So I just want to let, let you know you need to find a place to stay. Um, congratulations. Um, and th- that's how I found out. And it, immediately I called my mom. We're both crying like, oh, we, let's go. Like, we got it. Like, we made the 53. Uh, but then I knew, you know, my journey was just beginning. Like, now I have to continue to prove myself. And, you know, but I was just established, right? It was just like, boom, opportunity, like taking advantage of, right? It's just now on to the next opportunity kind of thing. Man, oh man, Austin, that's crazy. Now for me, I wouldn't have been in the weight room. They couldn't have reached me. If they wanted to cut me, they couldn't reach me. They would need to get Secret Service, CIA, Uh. special ops. They couldn't reach me. I'd be like, you cannot cut me. 
that's the nice way of them doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. At least they give you an explanation, you know? Right. Um, and a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of, there's a practice squad and all that stuff. So there's a lot of opportunity uh, for guys to come back and make a squad. But yeah, for me, Hey, luckily I've never been to that, that situation. I've always been able to just to, you know, provide enough value to the team that they want to keep me around. So try to keep that going. Wow. All right. Now go back and talk to young Austin. Um, yeah. Now that you've been in the league several years, what are going to be the two or three things that will surprise him the most? And I mean that as broadly or as narrowly as you want it. Like, what yeah. is going to surprise him? Like, whisper in his ear, he's still at Western State, and be like, dude, you're going to make the league, and here are going to be the three things, even though you've been playing football forever, even though you've been thinking about the NFL, these are going to be the two or three things that are going to surprise you, either positively, negatively, or just be like, oh, I never imagined that. I would say... One thing that just like sticks out to me is that look, look Austin, like the younger Austin, like guess what, you're enough. Like you're enough. Like your mindset that you have right now is what's going to take you to places you never thought you were going to be. Like what you have right now, do not change that about yourself ever, ever. Because if you do that, then you're not going to be true to yourself and to your roots and what you grew up around, and you're not going to be true to the the people in your town that believed in you and gave you this confidence to go forward and say, hey. Like you, you hear the stories of people not believing me. I had a bunch of people that believed in me and I came from a situation where I had to work hard every single day. That was just the fact of my, that was just my life that I got dealt, you know, working, you know, out in the ranch, right? Like I was in the ranch, I was a ranch hand, right? And so I knew the definition of hard work. Um, and it's like, you're enough. Like the mindset you have, the passion that you have is going to take you. And not only that, but it's going to be contagious. It's going to be contagious to the people around you. Uh, just because of how much, how much passion you put into things, people are going to see that and be like, man, like that's, that's special. Like you continue to be yourself. Wow. And what else is going to surprise him? What else is he not going to see uh, or, or just will He's not intrigue see him? Anything. Cause that's, I didn't look forward. I always had an idea of where I wanted to go, but I never like really bought into it yet. Cause I was always focused on the time being. Right. And because I think if we get too if we get too far in the head of ourselves, like we just we get into like a fantasy land and almost like lose sight of, hey, take care of business right here first. You know, like we, we hear this younger generation, like, oh, people always take things for granted. It's like I, I don't I don't. That's why I do so much to connect with the people that have got me to this place and to the community that supports me to this day. I do so much to connect with them because their support has gotten me to this level. Their support has helped me get through college, get through these passions, get through these opportunities and keep going. And so I held that near and dear to my heart. And so that like everything's going to surprise him because he's younger. Austin is only focused on the time that he's in right now. Like I remember even going back one day, I was looking at my like my, my old uh, Facebook post and it was always about like inspirational quotes about how, you know, you need to get up every day and, you know, be the best version of yourself, you know, take advantage of opportunities, you know, connect, surround yourself with the people, you know, that you are like-minded and want to like be as passionate about things as you are. And I was just like, man, I'm proud of that kid. Like that, that became me, right. That, that kid like inspires me, you know, younger Austin still inspires me today. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? 
That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here... We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Now, your boy LT, I knew uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, previous Charger running back, Charger great, maybe the greatest Charger running back, maybe the greatest Charger of all time, uh, and terrific human being. And years ago, I got a chance to go visit him and his wife and talk a little bit. And he surprised me. He said, Carlos, he said, I think several things matter for success in the NFL that might surprise you. One, he said, is being married. He said, I know you wouldn't think so, but he said, he said, I think that that the difference between great and out of the league is so thin that you need every ounce of focus you have. And he said, for the most part, guys who aren't married and are out in the clubs and partying and doing other stuff, they in the end are going to lose that little bit of edge. And and guys who are married or who are settled, like that's a huge advantage. So I was surprised to hear him say that. I, I would agree. You would agree with that? I would agree. Yeah, do you want me to dive in? Why I'd agree? Yeah, please. Because here's the thing, man. This game is about consistency. And how do you how do you become more consistent? Well, you, you gotta put in repetition. You gotta go practice. You gotta get in the weight room extra. You gotta get in the playbook extra. You can't have distractions. The more you're distracted, the less consistent you're gonna get. 
there's only a select few people that can just show up and do this stuff. Right. And those people are getting paid ridiculous amounts of money because they're special. Like for the most part, that's not everybody in the league. Right. Everyone else. Guess what? We got to put in the work. We got to put in the reps for, I would say, 99 percent of the league. There's the one percenters of the league that are really, really special. And so I, I see that like you're married, you're held down. Like for me, I'm not necessarily married to like another person, but I think my passion to connect into the community is kind of the same type of ideas. Hey, I have something that I can commit to in my free time that keeps me focused. Um, so yeah, I would agree. Cause it's literally the edge is this big. The edge is this big between me and a, a fourth or fifth string running back making it. I was just a little bit more consistent than he was. Right. And you have to go take another man's job. And guess what? If he's more consistent or been playing in the league longer and has more tape, they already have the upper edge. So you need everything that you can get. Uh, and you don't want to give them any piece of bad film. So the consistency part, yeah, I 100% agree with uh, all right, LT. All right, who are some of the one percenters? Who are some of the people who they just, they can show up and they just have more than everybody else? See, I, I wouldn't even say I have those guys on my team, right? Like, here's the thing, because like Keenan Allen, probably the best guy on our team, uh, definitely offensively, but the, the work that he puts in is unmatched. It's unmatched. In the offseason, this man, he runs routes. I think he runs routes every single day, right? Um, so I would say, like, even the 1%, of those, there's, they're not going to be they're not going to be big superstars. They're probably going to be guys that are probably on the bubble. Um, so I because I, I, I just think of me saying that, I'm like, hmm, because you're going to get flushed out. You're going to get flushed out. This league is going to flush you out real quick if you're if you're not putting in the time. So, um yeah, maybe it's maybe it's those tween of the bubble guys, right? The bubble guys that are on the way out, like or maybe getting a little more distracted, or maybe you know just have a little bit more athletic ability than everyone else, and like, hey, there's hanging around. Because um, I mean, if I if I even say anyone, right, then I'm saying, oh, this person doesn't work hard, type of thing. So I, I can't I can't even go down that. Yeah, I can't don't go even down call that it, alley. Don't don't work hard, but talk about athletic, um, just athletic freaks of nature. Who right. who are the best pure athletes? you've either played against, played with, played around where you're just like, hey, even though we're all professionals, athletically, that guy's just on a different level than the rest of us. It immediately comes to my, my mind, Derwin James. Uh, he's on our team. He's our safety. He's been hurt for the past two years, but oh my God, this man, he's, he's like 6'3". Uh, I know he can outrun me and I think I'm fast. <laughs> this man's like 6'3", like 220". Uh, Derwin James, so strong, takes on blocks, can run, can jump, agility, tackle. He can basically do everything. And it, it's like the fact that he's so big, too, it's just like, how? Like, how are you able to do this? Like, another one is that stands out to me is uh, DK Metcalf. Um, just he, the dude's like 235. He's running, you know, almost sub, you know, 10, you know, 100-meter dash at 235. Are you kidding me? I'm just like, man, at 6'5", too, 6'5", 235 receiver out there. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of freaks, you know, a lot of people that are just like, wow, like you were absolutely gifted. And the fact that you're taking those gifts and putting work behind it just elevates those people, right? And just shows really like how amazing the human body can be and what really good genetics and hard work combined can really push people to do. Um, that's what I love about the NFL. It's, it's not always about being big, right? Like, look at me, I'm 5'8", but like, I'm strong. Like, I, I even put out a, a challenge the other day. It was the 405 squat challenge. So 405 squat, uh, pounds on my back, busted out 13 times. Um, still haven't had a competitor, just by the way. So if you're listening <laughs> out there, you know, send me something. Uh, 405 squat challenge. <laughs> but uh, I think that's what the NFL is so great 
that's why it's so great because it brings out a lot of just different athletes, but a lot of different types of bodies. And it brings us all together, too, and puts us on a platform where we can use to help our communities. Do you ever see someone coming at you so strong, so fast, like a Derwin James, where you've gotten nervous or you've hesitated a little bit? Because you're like, that is 6'3", that's 220", that's 4'4", and they are coming with lethal intention. Hey, I play the position called running back. So we're just natural born, just fearless, you know, competitors. Like it doesn't matter how big you are. We're we're trying to run through your face, right? Like I'm five, eight, but you go watch me run and you watch me run through people. Like I remember even Melvin Gordon, my, uh, the guy that was in front of me before, you know, he ended up not getting signed by the Denver. Um, he hit me up like, man, you're still just running through people, man. Uh, even the rookies come through here, you know, they're like, dang, man, you run like you're 240. It's like, hey, like, why do you think they keep me around here? You know, kind of thing. So as far as my mind, n- never, never. Like if you're, there's definitely people that come down and come down here. I remember Ruben Foster um, a few years back, he played for San Francisco 49ers, uh, just freak athlete at, at linebacker. He, he probably hit me the hardest I've ever been hit. But still, I just had to like this hard, but he just hit me so hard. I remember just kind of coming to like, whoa, kind of kind of moment, right? Getting up off the ground. It's like, wow, I just got absolutely drilled. Uh, But shoot, I've been playing this game for so long. I feel like that just becomes part of the game now. Like it's not often. It's not often that I get hit that hard because it's almost like an art. It's like an art. And that's how I've got, you know, this far in my career. It's an art to not getting hit. Right. Like there's a there's a way to get tackled or to not get tackled. And so the only time you get me like that is when I can't see you. So if I can't see you and you get me, then you got lucky. But most of the time I got my awareness and yeah, can avoid it. And, and, and with say more about that. You mean you're saying that guys will look to tackle you and hit you really hard. Oh, yeah. But if you see them coming, you're saying you can do a martial arts move. and, and- Exactly. So every single defender is like, oh, I'm just going to clean Eckler's clock, especially me because I'm 5'8", you know, 195 pounds. I'm like the smallest guy in the field. So they see me. And they're like, oh, let's go. So they're just running as hard as they can. So what they don't realize is that I squat the weight room. Um, so when they hit me, they're like, whack. And I just bounce off them because they don't try to wrap me up. Like you, when you tackle, you're supposed to like wrap my legs up, right? So they're just like, oh, let me just blast them and hit them on the ground. And they just realize that, but it's boom. I just bounce back off just because my leg and my, my balance is so strong. Um, and so, yeah, people, they just miss a, they just like misread like how sturdy I am at my stature, right? They think they can just come, you know, hit me like I'm some receiver, you know, who doesn't go in there and squat and there's no, no shade to receivers, but they ain't lifting like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, also, also, so one of the other things that LT told me that he said would surprise me about what it takes to be great in the league running back. He said, Carlos is going to sound weird to you. He said, but you have to kind of like pain. He said, mm. he said, he said, oh, sounds weird, but you have to like pain, not just be okay with it, but like it. Because he said, when you watch game film, you'll see all sorts of weird things happen with your neck and your arms and stuff. And it, he said, sometimes it'll so blow your mind. He said, but you have to actually kind of like it and therefore lean into it. Because if you don't lean into it, the other guy is, and you're going to lose. Now, Absolutely. is that right? Or is that right for you about that like pain thing? Or was that just an LT thing? <laughs> Man, I- even so I go, I go way deeper. If you want to talk about pain, like I love adversity, like even, even in life, like I feel like we need to go through hard times because hard times make us so much stronger as people, like hard times. You absolutely don't want to go through them just naturally, but the things that they teach you, the lessons learned in hard times, 
I feel like stick with you for life. And I feel like that's really what's painted my picture of my mental, just, you know, stabilization going forward and how, why I am the way I am today. Cause just working through hard times, working out of it and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and being able to work towards something. So for me, like, sure. I physically get hurt in football, but I always know for the most part, anyways, I'm probably going to recover. So just the, the, the physical injury from football does not scare me at all. Like it's part of the game to me. It's part of having fun. Right. And there's, I mean, we all have different, different motives for playing the game, right. You definitely have to, you definitely got to know, yeah, this game hurts. This game definitely hurts, especially as a running back. Like these people are like, at least, you know, everyone's at least like 30 pounds heavier than me and they have pads on and they're running at me full speed, trying to hit me. Um, so yeah, this dead game definitely, uh, put some battle scars on you. But for me, I love that. Like I, I got scars all over my body from this game. Um, it kind of just paints the picture of the kind of what I've gone through, um, you know, physically on this field and with this game, but then also in life too. Like, I feel like it's, it's deeper than that, right. It's deeper than that. Cause if, I feel like if we all just go through a time where like you have pure happiness all the time, like I feel like you get used to that and you almost get bored. Right. And it's like for your, your life to have some real content, some real meaning, some real oomph behind the time where you're like, man, I persevered. I went through a time worth living. Like, I feel like you got to go through some peace, got to go through some valleys. And it's the same thing on the field. Like, look, for you to actually have, like, I feel like for me anyway, for me to have like a career, I'm like, yeah, man, like, hey, I pushed through, I overcome. Uh, I need some adversity, whether it's, whether it's injury, whether it's like, I'm not asking to get injured. I'm just saying like, when this stuff comes, I'm not scared of it. Right. I'm ready to take it head on. I'm ready to work through it. Um, and it, to me, it paints a, a, a better picture of what I want to get out of it as far as fulfillment, because it makes me work through things instead of it all being, oh, it was great forever. Um, you know, it makes me work through things and it makes me a better person in the end. And Austin, where do you think that comes from? Do you think that you were born that way or did certain things happen as you were growing up or what have you? But where did that mindset come from? Uh, that definitely came from the way I was raised. Uh, I just knew I, I knew I, I wanted to get out of my situation from the day I was in my situation. I didn't have like the worst situation growing up, but I just knew it, this was not the life for me and I needed to get out of this. Uh, and so I made sure like, look, I've seen I've seen people in my life have success and just throw it in the trash can. And I was like, that's not going to be me. I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to continue to grow and continue to keep pushing. Um, and so I set my mind, I didn't even realize I set my mind to that until I got older and started talking about it. Cause people started asking me about it. Like, why are you the way you are? I'm just like, why am I the way that I am? But it's, it literally came because I saw a situation was like, man, my mom's ex-husband had everything in the world. And this man made me work so freaking hard for him. And then he just went through it all away. And I was just like, why would, why would you ever do that? You had things working for you and you just decided you just didn't want it and you didn't care about anybody. And so like that affected me. Right. That affected me. I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to take advantage. I'm going to continue to push. I'm going to help people as well along the way so they can push through some stuff, too. And I think that just instilled like that hard work that I learned from going out and building fence and being in sports and working on a ranch. That's where my hard work mentality came from. But then my passions came from trying to get out of a situation that I wanted better for myself. And I put everything I can in my power into those things. And, And what happened to him? What do you mean he threw it away? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too too into it, but he's just he's just not not with us as far as our family anymore, right? He just you know made decisions where he said he he's had better things he wanted to do, um, and we weren't worth anything to him. So um, he's the guy that you know I was with you know since I was like four years old. My dad was never in the picture. He was even worse than this guy. <laughs> so I was like, look, like I've had some some good examples of good hard work, but bad examples of how to carry yourself and continue to pursue through life. Um, 
So that's just where my mindset's come from. And that's where I've been ever since. So, so why do you think you took the positive lesson out of that, Austin? Because, you know, so many of us get traumatized by various things. And unfortunately, most of us, or maybe many of us, take the wrong lessons out of that, right? It, it, that right. it breaks our heart, it breaks our spirits, it reorients us towards bad behavior instead of, you know, better behavior. Why do right. you think it, it, instead of breaking you, it sounds like it actually made you stronger? Maybe just because I didn't have sympathy for him. I didn't have sympathy for that. I was like, that's, I, that's just BS, man. Like it's BS. Like you felt bad and then you felt bad about yourself. And then you just like, Oh, poor me. And then just went and held, hid in a hole or just took the easy way out. And I just, I think that was just to me in my mindset, that was unacceptable. And it not just unacceptable, unacceptable to the maximum level that you've literally changed my life. And that I would never be like that. And literally in fact, it impacted me that much. And like literally to the to this day, like even my kids, like I'm gonna be like, hey, look, you're gonna know nothing but how to work hard. Not not for anything. That's how it was for me. I didn't work hard for money. I didn't work hard. It was, I worked hard because that's the only option. That's the only option we were presented. You have to work hard, and that's gonna get you food on the table. That's gonna allow you to you know to actually you know go forward in life. So that was the situation I was in, and so it's it's helped me today because awesome. Why do you work hard? Because that's all I've ever known. It's all I've ever known. And that's all you've ever known. Guess what? It's contagious and it keeps going and it just builds and it builds and it builds. And if you have direction with that, with some education, oh boy, let's go. Now we're, now I'm helping my community. Now I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to help other people become passionate and find their passions and continue to push for those as well in life. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, 
personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Austin, talk to me a little bit about race, because you grew up black in small town Colorado. Oh, yeah. I assume there wasn't a ton of us there. <laughs> Am I right? There's probably three. Three. Yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. Three in my high school. Yeah, three people of color. Hey, what the hell were you doing there? Number one, like, what were you doing there? And then, num- and then number two, I don't want to make any assumption because maybe it wasn't bad, maybe it was good, but, 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 but tell me a little bit racially about your journey, you know, stressful, uh, positive, just what it was. Like, like, give me a little bit of a sense of, of your particular experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I ended up in a small town called out just because my, my true father, uh, he was married to my mom and then just royally messed up, locked away forever. So my mom wanted to get away from that, ended up meeting a guy um, who was my little brother's dad. Um, and then we moved to a small town, Colorado, um, just to get away, kind of get a new start. And that's how I ended up in Eaton, Colorado, um, for all the way K through 12. My mom was a school teacher. Um, my mom's husband at the time built fence. Like he had his own fencing company. Like he wasn't, he didn't graduate high school or anything like that. He was so not really well educated, but definitely knew how to work hard and kept himself and kept our family, uh, afloat. You know, he was a main source of income. Um, and that's how I ended up in, in, Colorado, you know, there was only three other black kids, including me here, you know, like, so I'm growing up in a, in a white community, right? Predominantly white community, um, Hispanic population there as well. Um, and so, I mean, for, for me, I didn't know any, any other way. Like that was the way that's, there was no like racial thing that I went through. Um, it was pretty accepting, um, I guess, as far as, um, just everybody or like, I didn't really go through anything that stands out to me. That was like, yeah, this was a time in my life that I went through where, you know, it was tough just because they saw me as different. Um, I didn't have that. That's why I, I loved my town that I went to. Like I had support of my town a hundred percent. Maybe it's because I was really good at sports. Who knows? And they liked watching me. I don't know. Whatever the reason was, it doesn't matter. I, I was shown respect and I gave respect back and that's how I was raised as well. Um, you know, yes, sir. No, sir. All that stuff. Um, and so, no, just a small town feel like, like for me to be, uh, I was on the outskirts too. I lived like 20 miles out outside of town. So it wasn't like after school was hanging out, you know, with the boys, you know, in the neighborhood, like I would be done with practice and drive 25 minutes home. Right. Cause I got to get home. I gotta go water the horses. I gotta go take care of all the livestock. Um, whether it's rain or snow, it don't matter. I gotta get home. Um, so that definitely kept me locked in. I didn't really get distracted as much. 
um, kind of just, kind of just isolated me a little bit. Maybe that's, maybe that's why the way I am the way I am today too. Like my, my circle of friends is like this big, you know, like very small. And I think that's part of it. Cause I didn't really have like a big social life other than sports, um, growing up. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about my background and how I came to be and yeah, where I started out. And what do you find in the NFL? Because the NFL is predominantly black. Um, yeah. But I assume that most of the players didn't come from small-town Colorado. I no. assume that they, they came from Miami, Florida, or they came from Dallas, Texas, or they came from L.A., or what have you. So is there any interesting racial dynamic for you in the locker room? Again, positive, yeah, negative, or absolutely. just what it is? Absolutely. I wouldn't say it's positive or negative, but it's just like kind of a culture shock for me. You know, culture shock to be around people that have been in the cities more that have, because even when I went to college, like predominantly white, right. And it's like in the mountains in Colorado. So we're talking people that are out here to ski, to ice fish, to snowmobile. Like we're talking people from Oklahoma and Texas that are going up there to the vacation house in the summer type stuff. Right. Um, another small town. So I was never introduced to really like city life um, or even any other type of culture besides small town, Colorado, Right. So definitely big culture shocks coming out of the coming out of uh, Colorado and just, you know, being introduced to new types of just slangs, new types of, you know, way people, you know, care about, you know, fashion, care about how people spend money different, you know, people's education levels. Um, it's, just, it's all just a mixing point. Right. That's why the NFL is so great, because it gives us all an opportunity, no matter where you came from. I came from the sticks in Colorado. You come from, you know, Miami or Texas or huge football towns and schools and stuff like that, wherever. Right. It gives us an opportunity and it gives us a platform. Um, so, yeah, definitely culture shock for sure. So now how much did people try you? Because I know having talked to T.O. and lots of other guys, there's lots of fights in the locker room and there's lots of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of scrapping. Now I assume they see a short guy, he's from Colorado, he talks proper. I'm sure they came after you. Did they come after you Look, consistently? No one came just- after me. No one came after me because like, I think the NFL has definitely evolved. Like there's no like hazing and all that stuff anymore like it used to be. Like it's definitely modernized. Um, like we all are in this together type of thing, but I didn't really talk much. I got to talk. I wasn't there to talk to people. I was there to, to take people's jobs and actually make a team. I was, there to, I was there to take advantage of opportunities. So for me, it was like, look, like we could talk. I'm not going to be an to you. Like I'm absolutely, absolutely going to be respectful, but I'm here to, to do a job. Um, and so that's how it, that's how it was for me growing, like growing into this. And then I got established. And then now it's obviously my mindset's different. Now I'm actually trying to help my younger guys, um, cause I understand the power of the NFL and I'm trying to help people around me. Like, Hey guys, use, listen, everyone needs to use this. And I'm showing people how I'm using it and trying to help them do that. So, um, no, I didn't really get tried. No one really stepped to me there, you know, there's some personal bees, there's some pushing and shoving, um, you know, especially when joint practices and stuff like that, but not for the most part, we're all, we're all in this, this family together. And, and now talk to me a little bit about using your platform, like in your dream world, what would you love to be true? What would you love to do? What kind of things do are you hoping to have impact on? Yeah. Uh, in my dream world, I would love to create enough resources, whether it be from, from whatever, create enough resources from donations, from some type of, you know, connecting business from the foundation, which I, I have my own foundation, but collect enough resources and have an impact in communities, especially small communities like my, mine, and just provide resources to people, whether it be, things to better their education, things to do stuff outside, just things, think, whether it be technology, things that can help people create skills or go through things, experiences 
to create skills for themselves that they can use in the future. Because I think that's something that I had um, that I didn't really realize until now thinking back on it. Like, okay, what, like, why am I in this situation? Well, I had resources. We were in a small town, but we had enough to get by. I had a weight room. I had, you know, a social life. I had like the stuff for education. It's like, I had a chance, right? I had a chance. And so what do I want to do? Well, I want to impact people across the United States right now. It started, but eventually around the world, just giving them a chance. You know, it's, it's different, you know, in different situations here in America. So where it's like, Hey, it's basically survival of the fittest, but you know, we call it capitalism. Um, you know, so it takes people to help people. So I want to be someone that's in these situations and trying to help people have a chance to even have skills, right? Because if, if you never have, you know, an after school club with actual equipment, stuff like that, you're not getting these opportunities to, to learn teamwork, learn self-discipline, learn mental toughness, learn social skill. Like you're not getting those opportunities. And so that would be my perfect world. I'm already on my mission to get there through my foundation. Um, I've started, you know, a couple other businesses that are trying to help people connect um, and ultimately the goal is to make funds from those and push it back to the foundation and continue to just, you know, incorporate and push all of these different motives across what the foundation is trying to do across the nation and help provide resources. Austin, have you met Kelvin Beecham yet? Do you know Kelvin? Kelvin Beecham. I don't think I have. Kelvin's an offensive lineman for the Cardinals. You have to let me introduce the two of you guys. He's a terrific human being. You guys have a lot in common. He grew up in small town Texas instead of small town Colorado. Okay. He um, uh, barely got a chance to play at Texas Tech. Even then, didn't get drafted until the seventh round. So he had a similar situation, but he did end up getting drafted in the seventh round. Um, Wasn't sure he was going to make it, but focused and brings that same kind of hungry intensity that Mm -hmm. you bring, but by the same token is also thinking about the broader platform. And he is one of the most thoughtful people I know. And um, just something tells me that you guys would enjoy meeting each other. You would uh-huh. find him to be a outstanding human being, and you guys would just like each other, I think. And so- uh, Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, later- I'm always looking for like-minded people. Always yeah. looking for like-minded people, because that's what it takes. It takes people with a platform and people to care about people, right? We have a platform, we have the NFL platform that puts a lot of eyes on us. Right. Whether it's because they like our, our story or the team that we play off, whatever the reason we have a platform. And so it's it's a rare opportunity where I'll probably never be a part of a platform this big. So for me, it's a moment where I can capture and really implement my passion. I'm passionate about people. Right. And so I'm trying to show that to people because people also care about people um, to some to some point. Right. And so I'm trying to just attack that part of people and be like, Hey, look, we're trying to help people over here. You know, you can be a part of this because it's for a greater good for all of us. You know, it's not, you know, about being selfish, right. You know, that's what America has been built off is selfism, right? Like being selfish, right. Cause that's how you continue to be successful. Right. And so that's how I grew up. Like, Hey, I got to get mine. And now I'm in this point like, okay, well I have like, I have enough. Like I can get by like my, my true happiness is in helping people, not in getting a bunch of resources. So I need to gather resources to help people because that's how America works. But that's just, yeah, need people to care about people. And if I can connect with people that are like-minded like that, I think we can, yeah, collab together and make it even a stronger motive and a stronger push across the nation. All right. Now I'm going to turn you a little bit of football. We're going to play a little football Jeopardy here for a minute. Let's you ready? Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. I, I, I'll let you all know right. I didn't watch the NFL until my junior year. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. So we'll that's see. all right. Um other than your own teammates, so I'm not going to allow you to choose any of your own teammates unless you have to. Who in your mind is the best quarterback in the league right now? 
Tom Brady. Tom and Brady. Why do, and why do you say that? I can assume, but I want to hear it from a player who's actually playing. Well, why do you say Brady? Because Tom Brady has been able to be consistent for this long, and it's not because he's super athletic. He's actually not very athletic um, when it comes to, like, physically moving and jumping and, like, move. But the fact that he can – he understands the game so much that he doesn't even have to really move much. He can still have success. He can protect himself by understanding what the defense is going to do. He has enough arm strength to put the ball where it needs to be. It doesn't. It's not always a bomb down the field like it was to Antonio Brown. It's just – dissecting getting the ball out of the hand immediately and to have that knowledge of the game and actually be able to go there and apply it in real time with the teammates he hasn't always had the best team which is another reason why I think he's the best quarterback and he still continues to do it now even at like 44 or whatever he is 43 45 um the fact even just watching this game that is like man this guy's special just how much he understands the game Pat Mahomes definitely you know, second runner up coming just because he, he's more the physical ability type guy, though. Not necessarily like I just understand the game so much that I'm just that good. Um, so, yeah, definitely Tom Brady for just game knowledge, experience and consistently doing it for as long as he has. Fastest player in the league. Tyreek Hill. Not even close. Like even listen, my defense even talks about him like, oh, my God, Tyreek Hill. We got to play him twice, <laughs> twice a year. And he literally changes the mindset of defensive players like they know he's going deep. And the fact that they think he's going deep opens up everything underneath. And then the times he's going underneath, you know, boom, he's chunking, chunking you. And then you forget about it or don't forget about it. But then you're like, oh, I got to defend the underneath. And then he goes over the top and Pat Mahomes runs around and throws it as far as he can. Tyreek Hill jumps up in the air and catches it for 80 yards like he did, you know, this last game. Like Tyreek Hill, he just literally runs everywhere and just gets open because he's so fast. uh, Most talented defensive player in the NFL today. Most talented defensive player. Ooh. Most talented defensive player. Hmm. Because it's like, man, it's different for defense. Because I feel like you have pass rushers that are phenomenal that we're definitely going to be chipping. Um, but then you also have safeties. Like, I'm sure even one of my guys, Derwin James, who's just unbelievable um most talented <sighs> I feel like even you have some of these linebackers man that can run I, I don't I honestly don't know <laughs> all right, all right, but let's say you're now the GM of a team and you got to decide oh, who I'm are you taking rusher. I'm getting a pass rusher for sure who are you taking um who am I taking number one overall mm, Aaron Donald Aaron Donald okay I'm taking Aaron okay. Donald okay yeah, okay. he just he just disrupt. He's just a disruptor. Like you literally. In, the thing is, he plays. He play. He'll play inside. He'll play one technique. You, maybe not everyone knows technique. He'll play all the spots at D lineman, and not everyone can do that, right? And then when he does that, you have to be able to slide with two old offensive linemen to him every single time. And if they get him one on one, it's not looking good for you, um, Aaron Donald. Well, and you know what's interesting is again he's another not very tall guy for his for his position. But that boy is strong. That boy is strong. Yeah. It might yeah. be a common thing in that strength category right there. <laughs> All right. Best running back in the NFL today. Best running back. <sighs> hmm. I wouldn't even say myself. Um, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, I'm me. I don't know. But see, to me, I feel like as far as production, that's how I really rate like a running back. Like how productive are you? I would definitely say Kamara last year. Um, Kamara. 
Derrick Henry. There's different types of running backs too, because Derrick Henry, this dude can tote the rock 30 times, 40 times a game. You know, he ran for 2000 yards last year, which is unheard of for a lot of years um, now. And then you have a guy like Kamara who can really do it all, or even Dalvin Cook. Um, but as far as best just running back overall, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Kamara just because it's more well-rounded. Like, like best runner, absolutely, absolutely Derrick Henry. But uh, best well-rounded, uh, Christian Christian's another one up there. Chris McCaffrey, but he had a little injury last year, so I'm just yeah. All right, all right, we'll see how he does this year. But yeah, Kamara. Wow. Wow. All right. I um uh, uh I now want to do uh one other question on this. What NBA player or major league baseball player or tennis player or soccer player do you think could come into the NFL today and be a star? Hmm. hmm. I, I I people always say like, oh, LeBron could be come in and play tight end. But I think I honestly think uh Russell Westbrook could come in and play a nasty slot receiver. Just his agility, his quickness, his explosiveness. Just yeah, Westbrook. I feel like he just the way he plays. He's aggressive on the on the basketball court too. You need that same aggression on the field. Like I feel like there's some fit there, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. I I agree with you on that. It's funny. Uh, Michael Strahan <laughs> was saying to me, um, you know, everyone wants to say LeBron can play. He said, but it's a whole nother thing. This is how Strahan says it. When I get those paws on you. He right, says, right. he said, everybody thinks they're okay with it until I get those paws on you. Right. And then you may or may not want to stay with me on that. Oh, yeah. So. It's a whole different game, man. You got to bring a mindset like, I, people are trying to hit me. I have to hit them first and hit them harder. Right. And both people are thinking that. So usually you're going to have some collision. Yeah. It's a whole, a whole different mental game when it comes to the game of football. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I want to do uh, uh, finally a little bit of rapid fire with you. Mind if I hit you with a little bit of rapid fire? Let's do it. Let's do it real quick. What's uh, your favorite movie of all time? Favorite movie of all time? Um, probably my guy Will Ferrell, Step Brothers. Love it. It's a great one. Love that. What's your karaoke song? Karaoke song? Oh, man. <laughs> it's funny. I, I just used to do a, a stream. I did a karaoke stream one time requested um, by my stream. And I sang, what did I sing? Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, I can't remember it. I can I can see I can see myself on the stage like this little virtual stage. Thing. It is hilarious. Uh, come back to me on that one. Come back. Okay. All right. Well, what's the most interesting thing you've learned in this life about dreaming fearlessly and realizing your dreams? Wow. We went from karaoke song. <laughs> Some deep dreams, man. And looking forward to life. Hit that. Hit me with that one again. Here we go. So, so, so you know it's hard to dream fearlessly, and then more importantly, realize those dreams. What's the most interesting thing you've learned in this life about how to dream fearlessly and realize those dreams? Man, I, I would say that I would say the dream itself. This might be a little off topic, but I would say yeah, dream fearlessly. Absolutely. However, understand that the dream getting there and realizing it isn't, in my opinion, the total satisfaction. The actual satisfaction is putting in the journey, the, right? It's always the journey. You hear about the journey, the journey and the, the talents and the work and the passion that has to go into it is the real, is the real contents, the real context, the real oomph behind 
dreaming fearlessly and realizing those dreams. Um, and so I would say that's the most important thing is understanding that, yes, you definitely should dream fearlessly and, you know, set your passions, but then getting there is really what's going to be the special part about that journey. And what's your next dream? What is Austin Eckler's next dream? Austin Eckler's next dream definitely is always on my mind every single day is to use the NFL platform as much as I can to help others and to continue doing that when my NFL career is done, because I know my NFL career will be done. And hopefully by then I've established myself enough where it's like, yes, now I can continually help people until my days come. Um, Austin, if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would you have dinner with? If I could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, mm, mm, probably MLK, probably, yeah, yeah, Martin Luther King, just because, man, like, that's a guy with a vision, that's a guy that's truly, his whole different, whole different topic, right, as far as trying to help people, as deep of a level as it can go, trying to just help people have a well-being, right, and even just have a chance to even have a chance right? Um, just talk about just his passion for people because passion for people to me is one of the best values that people can have. You know, it's so funny. I was actually going to ask you and I'll ask you still, what do you value most in this world? What do I value most in this world? I would say a pursuance of a life that I feel like is worth living, right? That's what I value the most. Um, and in that, there's more detail because that's different for everyone. But in that pursuance for me is helping and connecting with people, right? That's, in, that's my pursuance. That's what fulfills me. And at the end of the day, I know if I continue to try to help as many people as I can when my time comes, whether it's tomorrow, 50 years down the road, no, none of us know. I want to make sure I'm in a position and I am right now where I'm like, man, that was life that, you know what, I, I, I tried my best to help as many people have the best life. And that in turn, give me, gave me the best life. Right. Cause I just like, it keeps going back to it, but I just care about people so much. Right. I care about connecting. And so that's what I would like other people. It's different for other people, but the pursuance of a fulfillment that at the end of the day, you feel like, man, that was special and uh, better next, better uh, looking for a better run. Like, I, I don't know how to end on that one. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, man, yeah. like, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to stop. No, <laughs> hey, 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 Austin, I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate your mindset. I appreciate your desire to share with other people. And uh, man, I'm just, I'm wishing you just all the best. And I can, I, I wish I could see your mom because I can only imagine how proud she must be. And I know you <laughs> know that, um, but allow me just to, uh, you know, tip my cap to her because as tough as I'm sure you've been, I imagine, you know, given the journey, it sounds like she went She's on been through as it. well. She's been yeah. through it for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so you got to take care of moms always. Always. You got to. Now, you know, my mom, she, right now, like my little brother and I are the only like stable men in her life. And so, you know, we're her why, you know, and we, we never forget that, you know, so we keep her definitely dear and close to us. My little brother plays it over at Wyoming. Um, so, you know, football, and us just being together is, is her passion in life right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Family, family really, because, you know, at the end of the day, family is really going to be there for you, you know, thick or thin. Um, 
is part of that community aspect that, you know, that I just hold true to myself. It starts with a, a good base family, right. That you can come back to your family doesn't even have to be blood to me. Right. It's not that all these people are my blood fam. Families like people that are like, these are my people, like whatever happens, you know, I'm there for them. They're there for me type of thing. Hey Amen. Uh, be safe. And uh, really good, really good to meet you. I'm going to root Heck you yeah. on. I'm going to come hey, see you play I this year. I appreciate that, man. I pre- where, are you, where are you located at? I'm in the Bay Area. I'm up in Mountain View. So when you All come right. up to play the Niners, if you play yeah. the Niners, you play the Niners this season? I don't or- think we play this year, yeah. Okay, year. okay. All right, well, uh, well I'm going to have to make a trip down and uh, catch up. Okay. You can watch on TV, catch it up. Uh, let me know, man. If you're ever in town, though, want to come to the game, let me know. I got you. I will. I will. I definitely will. All right, appreciate you, man. Okay, okay. Take care. Bye, bro. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care and we'll see you there.